This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, would you know what to do if you were on the Internet and you saw something that appeared to be hate speech and you were concerned perhaps not only with what you were seeing in front of you, but concerned it might lead to something else, some kind of escalation or some kind of violence off the Internet? Well, my next guest works for an online literacy group called Media Smarts. He's the director of education. And Matthew Johnson joins us to talk a little bit more about that. Matthew, thank you so much for being with us this morning. My pleasure. Uh, this was uh, something that came to light once again, talking about uh, the attack on a train in Portland, uh, the attack that led uh, to uh, to the death uh, of a man. Witnesses saw uh, the suspect uh, in front of them, and then it was uh, discovered that the suspect actually had quite an online presence and uh, had been involved in what many would consider uh, hate speech and, and such online. Uh, what should people do if they see something like that and think that this is hate speech or this is something that's coming from an individual who might cause harm? Well, there are a range of options, and part of it depends on where it's happening. Um, One of the things that you can always do uh, if something is hate speech is that you can almost always report it to uh, the company or the administrators of the platform where it's happening. So if you see someone, for instance, in an online game or a public forum online uh, who's engaging in hate speech, most platforms have um, some kind of rules, some kind of standards that apply to that. If something is really uh, extreme, if it meets the the legal standard for hate speech in Canada, it's also possible to report it to police. And really, that is a very high threshold here in Canada, but it does exist. And essentially, that is if someone is directly advocating violence towards an identifiable group, and Canada has, in our criminal law, we have a fairly wide uh, definition of identifiable group, uh, that's color, race, religion, national or ethnic origin, age, sex, sexual orientation, or mental or physical disability. So if someone's advocating violence directly towards one of those groups, that is a violation of the criminal code, and you can report it. And most of the provinces and many large cities have specialized um, hate crime teams or hate crime units that handle that, and so it's usually best to go directly to them. And the third thing that you can do in almost every case, uh, and this is frequently one of the most effective ones, is to speak out. Uh, because what we know is the norms of any community, and that's what an online or an offline community, are strongly influenced by the loudest 10% uh, of people in that community. And if the loudest 10% are not the people speaking out against hate, then we're giving ground to the loudest 10% who are speaking out for hate. And so if it's someone, though, and, and not to the extreme, like you said, mm. that, that you think you'd need to, to contact authorities, but it's just, it, not just, but it's somebody mm. who you know it's, it's not right. I mean, that, that stuff is all over the Internet. Wouldn't we be constantly flagging the, the social media providers, constantly flagging people that someone has said something that could be hurtful? It's possible, but I mean, that's partly the reason why we're in that position is because uh, we haven't been teaching people, we haven't been teaching young people or adults uh, that they have a right to speak out. Um, I think people 
don't realize that the rights that they have as online citizens, they don't realize the rights that they have as consumers, to insist that platforms follow the rules that they've established, because one of the issues is that frequently this kind of behavior and this kind of content is reported and isn't acted on, and so we have to exercise our rights as consumers. But we also have rights and responsibilities as digital citizens, and one of those is to to speak out and to help determine the rules, the norms of our online communities. We do research at Media Smarts on Canadian youth and the Internet, and one of the most disturbing things we found around online hate, besides the, the sheer frequency with which kids were encountering hate, racist and sexist content online, was that older children in our survey actually were less likely to feel that they had a right to speak out against this content than younger ones. So uh, we need to make sure that everybody knows they have a right to speak out, and that, that means a duty as well. And did you get a reason as to why older older kids it didn't? didn't? Uh, unfortunately, it's a very. This is a very large survey that we do every five years or so, and uh, in the inver- in intervening years, we do follow up studies. Um, but we haven't had an opportunity to do a follow up study specifically about racism and sexism online. But our theory really is that as they're getting older, they're moving into uh, more adult-focused spaces. So the younger kids were primarily in spaces that were aimed at young people, uh, and so they felt more like they were full citizens of those spaces. They felt more like they had a right uh, to be part of determining the norms, the social norms, and the values of those spaces. But as they were moving to larger spaces, you know, places like social networks, places like uh, World of Warcraft or Reddit, they uh, felt more like kids uh, and felt less that they had a right. Uh, And that's why a lot of our educational material, part of our K-12 digital literacy curriculum for Canadian classrooms, has a lot to do with teaching kids that they do have full rights online. And how much? How does it work as far as? But if you want to call somebody out, or if you see somebody who's who's commenting on something and, and is doing so in a hateful way or a very disrespectful way, is it better to address that person directly, or putting something like a reminder out on in the comment thread saying, "Hey, a reminder for people to be respectful." I would think in general the best approach is to make an appeal to community values. You don't generally want to directly engage, um, and it depends if it's someone that. Uh, that you know personally, uh, that is, you know, falling into some of this, uh, getting sucked into some of this kind of content, then you may want to approach them directly, or you may want to argue with them. Then it's gonna, you're going to have some value. But if it's not somebody that you know, if it's or if it's too large a community, then you want to make an appeal to community values. You say you can say things like that's we we don't act like that here, or you know that's not what this place is about. Uh, because there's really not much point. Once people have gotten drawn seriously into a hate movement, um, then there's not much point in engaging with them. You want to engage with the witnesses, the people around them, to make sure that people know uh, that this isn't part of the accepted norm and to help them understand that that kind of behavior isn't going to be tolerated. And in the case uh, of the suspect in the the double killing in Portland. Uh, there, he had been posting, leading up to that, he'd been posting uh, anti-Semitic uh, comments, he'd been posting uh, anti, or he'd been posting, sorry, Islamophobic uh, comments mm-hmm. and such. Uh, there is, unfortunately, a lot of that on the internet. How how can somebody figure out if perhaps this is somebody who is very dangerous, or this is somebody who who just does this online, and that's their outlet? 
Well, there's no really easy way uh, to tell. Uh, and these things can't always be known ahead of time, because in a case like this, when someone is, you know, in part being radicalized online, their experience in an online space may be part of what determines their uh, behavior offline. Um, so if someone's getting uh, more support, if they're getting this message online that uh, they can talk this way and that they're not going to get pushback, then they may feel more emboldened. Um, and they may also be drawn into organized hate groups or into sort of disorganized uh, hate movements, uh, because that is the way these movements work. You know, they don't send out just one message. They're sending out at any given time multiple messages at multiple levels. Some of them are trying to really uh, radicalize people who are already uh, involved in the movement, and some of them are trying to... Uh, to bring people into the outer fringes of the movement. And these are what we call the cloaked hate sites, these uh, sites uh, that masquerade as legitimate sources of information and that really uh, exist to make people susceptible to a message of hate. And a lot of our educational material has to do with teaching kids to recognize these cloaked hate sites and how they're different from legitimate sources of information and debate and teach them how we can discuss controversial issues without getting, uh, you know, talking from a position of hate. But in a case like this, as I say, uh, the, the response that he received online may well have had a lot to do with how emboldened he felt to act offline. Well, it's uh, interesting to look at, uh, and certainly uh, good information uh, as far as what you guys uh, are doing and teaching people. Matthew, we'll have to leave it there, but I really appreciate you joining the show this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.